Seems like we're importing preachers every week now. Where were you, Florida? Uh, Alabama. Alabama. Well, not as good as Florida, but, you know. Roll Tide. <laughs> Father, we just again come before you glorifying your name. And we ask that you give us the courage not just to hear the words that we are in we are given this morning, but that we'll be obedient to them. And Father, I ask for your blessings then to be upon John as he delivers these words that you have placed on his heart. We're thankful for his presence here today and every day that he works among us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so before my message... Am I on? I am. Yes? No? Check one. Check two. Hey. Or am I just low? Maybe I'm just a little low. It's okay. I'm going to hand this mic to Seth because we've been praying for Mitchell Nielsen, and I asked Seth to do this week's. Um, so the prayer request here that Seth is going to be praying for, and if you don't know, Mitchell Nielsen gave these to us um, through Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. And so Today we're going to be praying for wisdom and courage for the administration and others in the leadership positions there. So, there you go. All right, if you guys will pray with me. this, uh, Father, I, I thank you for uh, all the teachers and administrators at this school. Um, I just, it's just amazing how much patience these people have. Um, and so, Lord, I just bless them right now that, that they would have so much patience and kindness towards every child. Uh, that they administer uh, to and with. Um, Lord, I pray for every teacher uh, to be anointed with wisdom from your Holy Spirit, to have guidance and decisions, um, especially when the, when the kids come to them for help, um, for life situations, for family matters, for all things pertaining to school and homework, that you would give them uh, just the extra patience it requires to respond with a kind answer. Uh, Lord, that they would, they would display the love of Jesus uh, to every kid, Lord, that, that even when kids walk into class, that they would feel the, the presence of God. They'd feel loved from their peers and from the, the ones that are over them. And so, Lord, I, I even pray that supernatural love would begin to manifest in every single classroom in such a way that it changes cold hearts, hearts of stone, to being open and receptive to the King of the universe. And Lord, I pray that these kids, as they experience the love from the teachers and administrators, that they would go home and, and display the same love to their family, the same respect, the same kindness. And so, Lord, I, I just pray for a, a wave of love and kindness and peace and prosperity in every way at this school, um, and especially for the top-down leadership, that this would be a, a theme and what stands out amongst every other school is that this school and this community loves one another. So let them love one another. Let them build each other up. Let, it be, let, let the teachers encourage each other. Let them give good gifts of hospitality and encouragement. Let this be a positive school. Um, any spirits of depression, anxiety, uh, any, any horrible things that are taking place in the home, I pray that all those things would be changed radically, transformed by the love that begins to be displayed here. So bless these teachers, bless their finances, uh, bless their income, bless their families. Let, let it be an all-around and total encompassing blessing for this entire administration at this school. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Let's go. All right, so can you all hear me okay or no? Or is it still kind of wacky? It's weird. It might be just coming out of the monitors. <clears throat> I can talk. I can preach through that microphone if I need to. All right. I'm just going to start. Yes. Hello. You working on it? No. All right. I'll just preach through the microphone. I guess. Y'all know I really like to have my arms free. And I feel like I'm in a straitjacket when I have one of these things. <laughs> it actually doesn't feel that bad. Okay, so a few things. If y'all want to go ahead and turn, we're going to start. I'm going to talk about a few things first to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever we, I taught last, we talked about fasting. Uh, this month, we've 
called the church to those who want to participate in fasting to join us. Um, there is a spreadsheet online. It's been emailed a few times. Not too many people are signed up yet, so I think my sermon was garbage last time. So I'm going to try to do better this time, y'all. Um, but if you would sign up, that would be awesome. I had, had some feedback from the first uh, message. Some people saying, you know, I haven't really had that much teaching on fasting, right? It's just something that the church doesn't talk about a lot, um, or I haven't fasted that much. Or even I've seen the word fast in the Bible, and I read about these great men and women of God who fast, and I just never thought, was that for me? Like, does God, would he want me to do this? Um, so today, we're going to go, like, I, I think I called it a survey, but it's not really a full-on survey. We're going to look at four passages in the Old Testament. Um, next time, I'll look at passages in the New Testament. So I just wanted to look, go back here, and today what we're going to do is I'm not going to give all the answers. Kind of like when we've done DBS, I want to look at a passage, and I would like us all to, as we're reading through this, be thinking about basically how to, what does this mean? Why were they fasting, and how can we actually apply it to our lives, all right? Like, not just thinking it as something far away that Moses did or something, but are there lessons? Are there actually practical lessons here that we can learn and we could apply to our lives when it comes to fasting? So, with that being said, I'm going to start off in, in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Uh, this is the mention of the first fast in the entire Bible. If you go to uh, Exodus 34, is where it mentions this the first time. This is Moses reflecting on the Israelites and their rebellion, and he's going to mention the two times of himself fasting in this passage. So I'm going to start in verse 7. This is the longest passage we're going to look at today. Uh, won't, the, most of them are pretty short. This isn't super long, but I guess just try to stay focused and ask yourself as we're, as we're looking at this, ask yourself, how can I actually take what Moses did and apply it? Or how can the community of believers apply it to themselves when it comes to fasting? All right. I'm going to start in verse 7. Um, this is when they're stepping over. They're about to go over the, across the Jordan and enter into the promised land. Moses reminds me, he says, Remember and do not forget how you provoke the Lord your God in the wilderness. You've been rebelling against the Lord from the day you left the land of Egypt until you reach this place. So he's reminding them that, hey, since you guys were escaped out of Egypt, since God saved you out of Egypt, you guys have been in rebellion. Israel's been in rebellion. You provoked the Lord at Horeb as he was angry enough with you to destroy you. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Like he was very, very upset. When I went up the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, I did not eat food or drink water. So this is the mention of the first fast in the Bible. He's, it, it was when Moses went up and received um, the commandments of the Lord. On the day of the assembly, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets inscribed by the Lord's finger. The exact words were on them, which the Lord spoke to you from the fire on the mountain. The Lord gave me two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant, at the end of 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord said to me, get up, go down immediately from here, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. So as he's on the mountain receiving these commandments, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, God says, all right, it's time to go because the people are acting crazy. They have quickly turned from the way that I commanded them. They have made a cast image for themselves. The Lord also said to me, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Leave me alone. This is what God is saying. Leave me alone. I will destroy them and will blot out their name under heaven. Then I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So he's saying, go down the mountain. This is where the Israelites made the golden calf, right? They had given up their gold. Aaron had cast this golden calf. Moses was up, and they said that he delayed it was only 40 days and 40 nights. It wasn't super long. It didn't take them long before they're worshiping an idol. Isn't, that's interesting, isn't it? I'm going to read just a little bit more. So I went back down the mountain while it was blazing with fire, and two of the tablets of the covenant were in my hand. And I saw how you had sinned against the Lord your God. You made a calf image for yourselves. You had quickly turned from the way the Lord had commanded for you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them from my hand, shattering them before your eyes. 
I fell down like the first time in the presence of the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat food or drink water because of the sin you committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and angering him. So Moses fasted 80 days and 80 nights. He may have eaten food in between these two times of 40 for sure, but in a very short period of time, this can only be done miraculously, supernaturally. Uh, if you don't drink water for 40 days, you will die unless God gives you some kind of a supernatural thing. But he did this for Moses during, this, during the time of receiving these commandments, the covenant of God, the law. He said, um, did, I, did I read 18? Yeah, 19. I was afraid of the fierce anger the Lord had directed against you because he was about to destroy you. But again, God listened to me on that occasion. The Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But I prayed for Aaron at that time also. I took the sinful calf you had made and burned it. I crushed it thoroughly, grinding it to powder as fine dust and threw um, its dust into the stream that came down from the mountain. That's a lot, isn't it? That is, that's a heavy passage. Uh, where Moses, they're, they're being reminded of the people of Israel of the sin that they committed whenever Moses went up to get the covenant. Don't just reflect on that part. I want us to think through just straight up these two times of fasting and ask ourselves kind of what was the why behind, why was, why was Moses fasting? Uh, how can we apply that to our lives? I'm going to have Meg pull up a uh, work flowy so that we can write some of these things on here. Um, I'm not fishing for a specific answer. I actually just want to generate a discussion about this. So you don't have to rush. Usually it takes us a minute to prime the pump here at Stones River sometimes. But anyone have any thoughts about like what we just read with Moses and like how we could actually take what we read and think about us and our personal fasting, why we might fast or whatnot? Just raise your hand and I'll give you the microphone. And if you don't want the microphone, then you can just talk real loud. I understand. Fasting would be a good thing when we're looking for a word from the Lord, when, when we're needing his revelation. Yep. In context, um, God had instruct, instructed Moses and I believe the Israelites, you know, follow my, the commands that I give you. And so fasting would be quite appropriate going into the presence of God to focus on his word, not what we think we want to hear from God but the focus on his word. It takes all attention and puts it there. Mr. Ben. Fasting would be very appropriate as we are lamenting the problem of sin in our lives and in the world. Awesome, Seth. We're going now. I like this when everyone participates. I'll say that suffering uh, creates dependency, and it, you know, especially in fasting, it shifts our dependency upon something else. That, you know, food can't provide it. Something else needs to. God can. Awesome. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Uh oh. Is almost three times, but Chuck got that hand up. Fasting is a way of taking our attention away from the things of the world so that we can concentrate and think about the will of God, our Creator and our Father. That's really good. Whenever they fasted here, 
this is, a, I mean, if you ask the Jewish people today, what's the foundation of Judaism? I mean, some, they could talk about Abraham and stuff, but it's the law. It's, the, this, is, it's this moment. This is a huge moment for the Jewish people when they receive the law, uh, when jo- Moses received it on, on Sinai. And this is, in this moment of this big shift for the people of Israel, what is Moses doing as the leader? Like, it's, it's amazing to watch this man of God who's been called out from the burning bush. He humbled himself. Moses was a humble man. Moses didn't say, I've got a right, and I'm going to, he humbled himself before God, went before God, listened, exactly what we're talking about here, waiting for the, uh, for, as John said, this, this revelation, like, what, what is God's call, and, and, and David, and all these, like, that's kind of the gist of what we've been talking about. What is God calling us to, and even as Ben has said, that even lamenting, as John brought up earlier, the, the, the situation, the challenges, we have this in our lives. I mean, like, there is awful brokenness around us. And I like how John had said that. That was a big part. Like oftentimes we, sometimes we're maybe afraid to lament the sin or afraid to like, like we're supposed to put on a brave face, but there's a whole book called Lamentations <laughs> where it's a lamenting over Jerusalem and over the people of God and, and over sin and over these things that are taking place. And that's what you see Moses that second time going up and he's lamenting. He's saying, God. And what I, it's interesting is Moses didn't sin. Like, I mean, of course Moses sinned, but in this situation, Moses didn't sin. Moses isn't broken about his own sin, though we can be and we should be. But in this situation, he's broken over the people of God. So think about that even in our lives. Do we experience a brokenness for our city? Do we experience brokenness for the church? Ben, we were talking about different things that we, that in, in the church in America and just different struggles. And if we do, it's okay for us to lament and to fast. To humble ourselves before God, say, God, we need, we need to change. There's things that need to change here in our city. There's things that need to change in God's church here in America or whatever, wherever we're talking about. Taking day to fast, taking a meal to fast and, and, and to cry out and to ask for direction. God, not just I'm upset, but where do you want us to go? I want to fast to hear your voice. I want to fast because you're our, my sustenance, God, as Seth was saying. like I, I want to yield to you. Really good. Let's look at the next passage, which will be uh, Esther. Esther chapter 4. And while y'all are turning there, um, just a reminder of what's happening. Uh, Haman convinces King Ahasuerus to basically commit genocide against the Jewish people. Not basically, to commit genocide against the Jewish people. Literally says, I'll read it, um, verse 13 of chapter 3, literally says, letters were sent by couriers to each of the royal provinces telling the officials to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jewish people, young and old, women and children, and plunder their possessions on a single day. It's even hard to connect with that passage. Is it I mean, like, to mentally emot- to connect with a passage that says, because you are, you know, from this people group, your ch- the children, your family, you're all going to die. We're, you have the, <laughs> it just, it blows my mind. To, I can't even, I really can't connect with it. To, I try to, but it's very difficult. But imagine if that were to happen, if they were to say, everyone in America that has English or German or whatever roots, we're going to, everyone has a right to go kill you and your family. What do the people of God do during this time of their, this is the people of God that God has raised up from Abraham. Like they're on the verge of being annihilated. What do they do? What do they do? So I'll, there's two, two passages we're going to look at um, in, this short, in this chapter four that mention fasting. So chapter four, verse one says, when Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes put on sackcloth and ashes. So he went, <laughs> he was lamenting. He went in the middle of the city and cried loudly and bitterly. Well, that's not a man of God. You should say you have more faith. Verse two says, he went only as far as the, he, the king's gate since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering the king's gate. Verse three, there was great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command and edict came they fasted, wept, and lamented, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. That's the first part. Then if we go over to verse 15, 
what happens is Mordecai basically, I mean, he's encouraging Esther to go stand before the king. And Esther's having thoughts like, hey, I could die for this. She needs the encouragement, right? Oftentimes we, you know, we see the brave acts of people like Esther and think, man, she's just so brave. She is brave, but bravery is overcoming fear. She was scared. She needed someone to encourage her to do this. And she makes the determination, yes, I'm going to go before the king. That's where she says, if I perish, I perish. But it says in verse 15, she had something for the Jewish people to do. All right? It says, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and do what? And fast for me. The Jewish people are on the verge of annihilation. What does she want them to do? Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, day or night, night or day, excuse me. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. So Esther's not just saying you do it. We do it as a people of God. After that, I will go to the king. Even if it's against the law, if I perish, I perish. So with those two things in mind, what do we have that we can apply or think through about fasting and apply to our lives? I like that picture right there. Sometimes I find a real good one. Growing up in a religious um, mindset of giving something up for Lent, which is not a negative, I'm not intending it to be that way, but the emphasis was simply on giving something up. Here it's and what I see in Scripture, it's purpose-driven. God has a plan. God has his will for us. And he wants us to connect with him, to hear his will, and to do his will. In the second, when she calls for the, the people to fast, there's a solidarity and you know we we see children being abused or sold as sex slaves or things like that and we feel helpless but we could we could devote a fast out of solidarity for those who are doing without uh, as a, an act of faith that God can intervene and God can break through where we don't have power um, uh, places of injustice extremely good all of it David I was just going to say where we saw Moses uh, in Deuteronomy was a that fasting was a relief and a retreat from anger this is more of a silent form of protest to the events happening. Um, is it okay if I share something that's going on? Oh my, okay. Uh, so uh, I teach and my next door neighbor teacher is, um, she's made the decision to go teach at a different school at the end of the month. And so I'm very sad that she's leaving, but very happy for her because it's a good move. But what I was worried about is that we would not be able to get a new teacher into our school because um, there's a teacher shortage. So since we're fasting and praying, um, I texted all the teachers in her team and said, I'm, I'm going to fast breakfast on Wednesdays and pray specifically about this if you guys want to join me. And they were all like, yeah, we'll join you. And I thought they were just going to like pray on Wednesday mornings, but they fasted too. So we've all been fasting and praying about it together. And that's been really nice just to be together in that. And then we had four people apply, which was a big deal. Um, they really wanted one of them. And then that person took another job. But at least we have three people to consider. We're hoping maybe somebody else will come along. But um that's just been really nice to know that we're all doing this together and that we can talk about it and share together in it. That's great. That's really good. That's one of the strong, one of the strong pieces of this, 
is that they fasted as community, um, which both Dave and them talked about. Going back to the first point, um, and just to add on to it, it is purpose-driven, but there's also uh, an expected result, and there's a hoped-for result to come from whatever fast is being enacted, and I think you see that with what she did, too. Um, yeah, I was going to kind of say something on the terms of that, like, uh, since the Jews are, like, the promised people of God, I think in this passage specifically, not only um, is fasting um, making them be dependent on God, but I think um, in this case as well, it's increasing their faith and reminding themselves of the promises of, of what God has said about these people. So. Really good. Anything else here? Yeah, it's such a, it's such a, interesting passage beginning with that lament again right with the with with the jewish people lamenting the situation they're in um even that kind of idea of protest you know like this is not right we should this should not be taking place um john as john mentioned there's places like that all over our city all over our country challenges and here the people of god stand up and they say no we're not 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 only are we going to say this isn't right but we're going to put all of our trust in God and faith, as Seth said. We have so many people, faith in God that he's going to write this. And as part of that, they came together as a community. You know, oftentimes we see fasting as an individual thing. And it can be Moses fasted, he was an individual, right? But oftentimes through scriptures, it's a community coming together saying, this isn't, we're going to fast and we're going to seek God for this. And fasting is... It's an exercise of trusting God. This is a huge trust of God. Like it's, I'm not, you're not trying to fix a situation. In this situation, you're just relying, you're completely relying on God. It's not a lazy thing. It's not a thing where you say, we're just going to fast all the time. We'll never do. It's receiving from God during fasting and doing what God calls you. Esther had to do something here. But in the midst of that, the people of God joined with her. Didn't know what do we do, but we can pray and we can fast and we can seek God. Right on. Let's go to uh, Daniel 9. We have two more passages. Let's see what. My phone is somewhere. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I'll find my phone after service is over to my back pocket. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're good on time. We are. It's only 11.08. <laughs> I was looking for my deodorant this morning, looking at all these drawers and everything, and my son Jonah says, it's right there, right in front of you on the counter, Dad. On the ca-. And, was, and Larissa laughed because that is a common occurrence. Like, it was right there. <laughs> Whew. So Daniel chapter 9. Oops. Let me go back here. I almost said let me scroll back. So much. I'm just flipping the page. We went through the whole book of Daniel. Um so I'm going to go ahead, and this will kind of give us context as we begin to read. The people of Israel are in Babylonian captivity. That's what's going on. In verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a Mede by birth, who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books, according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So basically, he's in captivity, and he's trying to figure out, like trying to understand by reading Jeremiah, who we have. We can read Jeremiah. Isn't that cool? Reading, and he says, oh, I think I perceive that this is 70 years, and they're towards the end of that 70 years in captivity. So what does he do? In verse 3, it says, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayers and petitions, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I'm not going to read his whole prayer. I'll just give you a a little bit of it. It says, And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned, done wrongly, acted wickedly, rebelled and returned and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of their land. There's a bunch of that in his prayer. A lot of God, you are faithful and we're not. (laughs) A lot of that. And then I'm going to go to verse 20 just to show what happens. He continues in this prayer. He's in sackcloth ashes. He's fasting before God. 
He's trying to seek understanding of what this means about the 70 years. It says in verse 20, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of the people of Israel and presenting my petition before the Lord God concerning the holy mountain of my God, while I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me. Isn't that crazy? Gabriel comes to him in my extreme weariness. So Daniel wasn't like, hey, I'm super strong, man. I'm good to go. This fast and him praying had him. He was weary from, the, from what was taking place. In his extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, he gave me this explanation. Daniel, I have come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your petition, an answer went out, and I have come to give it, for you are treasured by God, so consider the message and understand the vision. And he goes on to say, 70 weeks are decreed about your people. He gives them an understanding. This is what Daniel was praying for at the beginning of this thing. So with that said, do we have some things to share about fasting and what Daniel does as he goes into fasting and prayer to seek God for understanding of his word and the times that they live in. Take your time. I'm not going to rush through this. David said, so I turned to the Lord. So Daniel was seeking God, as you mentioned earlier. Like he was recognizing his, he can't understand this without God. And so this part of fasting was him turning to God, saying, God, I have, the only way to, for him to get understanding was from the Lord, and he recognized it. So we sought God for that. I love that. Jared. Okay. Um, there was an Right. I'm gonna. I'm re. I'm saying these again so people who didn't hear him can hear it, and because it records it on the um, the the podcast in case anyone listens. But it was a, also a call to repentance, is what Jared was saying here for the for himself and the people of God. Turn in which repentance is turning away from the way they have been living their life. And as he chose to go into repentance, part of that was fasting before the Lord. Oh, I thought you raised your hand. Mm-hmm. And Dave said it was, in, it was intercessory, like crying out for the people of God and what was taking place. Yeah. Anything else? Derek. Mm. So Derek was talking about that verse that says that at the beginning of the prayer, the word went out, and he was just talking about continuing to press on in the Lord. He was in extreme weariness. So that's a good thing. Like when we fast, there are going to be times where you it's weary. It doesn't feel good. You're hungry. But De- Derek was talking about pressing through and recognizing there's spiritual breakthrough that takes place here. There's He's praying uh, for understanding, and God gives him understanding. And it's interesting to kind of see into that spirit realm of the Daniel does that. The book of Daniel allows us to see into that. Like there are things taking place that we don't recognize, angels and, and all these things that are going on. And to recognize that the fasting and seeking of God, things are happening while we're doing that. You want this, Seth? That's what I was going to say. Oh, okay, cool. That's what, he, that's what Seth was going to say. We're on the same page. It's like we're related or something. I like it when my wife laughs out loud. It doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> I feel like it's usually not my best jokes either. I don't know. I guess our sense of humor. I know. I'm, I'm, it was going great, and I just blew it. No, I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> That's right. David will help. David really knows how to, to, do, to tell the, the, the good jokes. All right, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that's going on here in this in the passage in this passage of Daniel, and it really strikes me that he really desiring to under he's trying to understand the times he lives in. What is the time, and what is God's desire for us? 
And as he seeks that and begins to get an understanding, he doesn't just say, okay, I'm done. I think I've got an idea. He wants a, a full understanding as much as possible that he can know what God has. And when he does that, he begins to fast. Have any of us been reading the Word? I thought about this today. Like So many times when I'm reading the Word and I don't understand something, I immediately go listen to a preacher or go look up a commentary about it. And that's good. Like We are the people of God. We should. Like That's not a bad thing to do. But I was just asking myself, when was the last time I just said, I'm going to fast today, or I'm going to fast lunch? God, I'm going to seek understanding in the scriptures from you and ask and humble myself and say, God, give me understanding. And then just as he did, he didn't just pray for it. He was diving into the scriptures. He was, he was reading them. He was trying to gain an understanding. And I, I, really, I really thought that that was cool. All right, so the last passage that we're going to look at is Isaiah 58. It's such a good one. This actually is just a little bit after Isaiah 56, which was, if you all remember, when we talked about the house of prayer for all nations and, and being better than sons and daughters and all this beautiful, this beautiful passage. Um, there's a warning here to the people of Israel in Isaiah 58, and I think that we can learn a lot when it comes to fasting. So this is the last passage we're going to look at. We're going to just start, go ahead and start in, in the first verse. And there are so many more passages about fasting. I tried to get some that hit it at different angles. But I do, there are some themes that are woven throughout this for sure. But just different, seeking God for understanding, seeking God on behalf of people, um, the people of God, seeking God, <clears throat> lamenting, and all these different things. But let's, let's look at the heart of God when it comes to fasting here. Cry out loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. So, What's the uh, Israel's sins? <clears throat> it says, They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways, like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. This is really interesting here. <laughs> it makes me think about us and our culture. Like There was a sense in which they did pursue God, or they did desire justice from at least their oppressors. <laughs> like, there's a sense where they desire some of God. And this passage really has got me, it gets me to check my heart, you know. They go to church, they do these things. <laughs> but it says in, in verse 3, they have a question to God. They say, why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. So these people are fasting, they're denying themselves, but they're not seeing any difference. Nothing's happening, and they're wanting to know. I mean, John mentioned that. We can ask God questions. We can, they're asking God, hey, why am I fasting? Why am I praying? Why am I seeking you and nothing's happening, God? I love this because this will show us... Uh, Sorry, I don't want to get too preachy because I want us all to, <laughs> to gather to to, under, to, gra to grab hold of this. But fasting is not just about not eating. That's what the be the beautiful thing about this whole passage is. Not about just saying, "Okay, I'm not going to eat today." What's God's response to this question? Uh, it's found in verse four, right? I didn't finish. I did finish three, didn't I? I did finish three, or I need to? No, 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 I didn't. You're right. You're right. I finished that. Okay. All right, I'm just going gonna, gonna to read the beginning of verse 3 again with their question. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. God's response. Look, you did as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. So they're oppressing people. Um, they're just not walking with God's, in, in the realities of God's kingdom and what he desired for the people of Israel. That's, there's so many things that that encompasses. And then God says, will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow down his head like a reed, to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? So, will you, denying yourself, 
putting on sackcloth and ashes, is this, what, is this the end of what God all wants? Does this encompass all of what God wants? Isn't, verse 6, isn't this the fast I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see them, and to not ignore your own flesh and blood? Then he has a thing that will take place if they choose to fast rightly. He says, then your light will appear like the dawn. So after you've done these things, Israel, and your recovery will come quickly, your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. See, there's a sense in which we say these things like, God, he, he hears and answers every prayer. Uh, he basically is saying right here, I don't answer every prayer. <laughs> if you're not doing these things, if you don't care for the oppressed, the poor, the, the hungry, then I'm not going to answer you. But if you do, then I'm going to answer you. That's really interesting. Um, oh, man, where am I at? What verse am I at? Who's following along? Eight, nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, nine. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you and the finger pointing and malicious speaking. And if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you and satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones, so forth and so on. I could keep going. It's really good stuff. So before I get too preachy, I'll pause and ask what the Lord's speaking to y'all. Like, what, is, what are some things that you're thinking about? I will say before I say this that I've, this passage, oftentimes we can go from um, one ditch of just fasting for no reason to another ditch that says, well, we don't need to not eat. We just need to do these things that it says here. That doesn't make sense because Jesus says, when you fast, we talked about that two weeks ago, you know, put oil on your face. But basically he's saying, God is saying, listen, you can't just fast and my heart is not for you just to fast and not eat. Why you oppress people, why you don't take care of it's, it's It's a combination of the two is all I'm going to say. So what is, what is this revealing? What is this showing us about what God wants and how we can apply that when we fast? Fasting should not be just about us. Mm. We're part of it, but it's not necessarily for us. Mm. I know sometimes in the tradition that I was raised in, it was, you know, there was this side note of, well, the, the bigger thing you give up, the more righteous or spiritual you are. And no, it's, it's not directed towards me. It's really good. Fasting can be very hypocritical. That's very true. John, I, I think about when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came upon him, and he was led out into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't just fast food. Jesus got a, the Lord, the Spirit took him away from civilization, period. He fasted everything that could grab a hold of him, that could take his attention away from the, the desires of his father. The desires of his father is to help all humanity. So Jesus fasted from all of those things that can cause our thinking to go awry from what he's all about. It's not just food. Fast unrighteousness. Fast from it. 
Awesome. <clears throat> Anyone else? Derek? I love this passage. Mm. So Derek said, when we seek God's presence with fasting, we also want to make sure we put on his nature of who he is. It's good. That must have spurred something in Seth's mind. I was just going to say, like, it kind of reminds me of uh, somebody, maybe one of our friends comes up to us and says they, they can't pay their utility bill this week. And we say, well, I'll pray for you, brother. Knowing full and well we have the capacity to help in that way. Um, I think it's the same with fasting. And, and oftentimes God's promises are contingent upon if you, then I will. Uh, part of fasting is fasting, but also following through with action on whatever we're fasting about so it can be seen through. There's a collaborative effort. You have something, Bruce, or are you resting your arm? Hold up. Let me give this to you. Our religious, our religious show does not blind God to our life. Okay, I'll say it. Our religious show does not blind God to our life. That's really good. Isaiah goes on to say, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothing and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. That's right. That's right. Anybody else? Whenever we fast, <clears throat> our hearts, hopefully as a community and as people, align with God's kingdom purposes. Um, as we said, many of us said, we can't, if we just decide we're going to fast just to fast, um, just to take it, and I've done this. Can I tell you, like, I've, I've, I've had once a week fasting for a little while, and there's times in my seasons in my life, and I go, what am I doing? I'm just kind of doing it because it's probably a good idea. I'm just being real, right? Like, hey, I should probably fast. But really taking even that time of fasting to ask myself, who are the oppressed people here in our city? Seriously, there's oppressed people. Who are the broken people? Who are the poor? And God has just really been wrecking me lately with, what can I do to help? Like, I'm even reading a book. <laughs> I was talking to John about when helping hurts. If anyone's ever, it's really good. Um, but it talks about alleviating poverty without just, oftentimes we just give money to something. Uh, and we don't recognize that we're actually hurting often more times than we're than we're helping. I'll give you a real quick story. Uh, in the book, it was talking about a group that found like an inner city projects a church did, and they had a, a good idea, and that was to bring Christmas gifts to the kids. And so they went and they would hand out Christmas gifts, and they noticed that they didn't see fathers or men around very much. The reason they didn't see men around very much was because the root of the problem was the men had no self-confidence to go get jobs and the ability of people helping them go do it. So whenever the white church came in to give inner city people their um, gifts, it reinforced shame on these men. And it wasn't helping the actual root of the situation. It reinforced these kids going, well, my dad can't buy this thing for me. And the wife going, my husband can't get a good enough job to go and to do this. I share that to say, like, as we've been fasting and praying, part of what we're doing is saying, God, how can we help this community? How can we join in your kingdom plan? <laughs> Where is their poverty? Where is their brokenness? What types of poverty? What types of brokenness are there in our city? And us telling our, and that's actually doing the hard work. It's tough. It's so hard. When people are broken, man, and we're broken, it's a Take two steps forward, a step back, step forward. It's, it's a challenge to see 
these things because these are mindsets that have been given to people for such a long time, a whole life even. But God, as a people, what are some things that we can truly do to, to watch what your desire is? And when Jesus goes into the synagogue and he reads in Luke chapter 4, right, and he talks about preaching good news to the poor, setting the oppressed free, like this is a part of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not about just getting people to say a sinner's prayer. It's not just about people coming to church. That's like I could see God saying, yeah, you go to church on Sunday. Yeah, you, you, know, you listen to Christian radio, but there are people that are being oppressed. There are people out there that are broken. There are people that need uh, folks to show them how to budget, <laughs> to show them, like simple practical stuff, to show them how to, to, to get jobs. That uh, I know so many people in my mind that they just don't think they can get jobs that actually pay the bills because they've just had these, meet, these jobs that don't pay well their whole lives, and they cannot get out of that mindset of, what, you mean I could actually make sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000? Like, it doesn't even enter their mind, because it's just like, let's get by day, day by day by day by day. But asking God as a community, that's one thing I'd like for us to do as we fast and pray, is to ask God, Lord, where, where are these places, and, and how can we help? And God, what connections? Um, let's just, let's pray right now for this, um, and then we're going to take a couple minutes and, and listen to God's voice as we've been doing, but, but Father, I, I, I just, as we're, we're talking amongst each other, and you're here right now, so we just want to continue to talk to you, and Holy Spirit, we ask for your wisdom, your revelation, I ask for your, um, I guess just even stick to um, determination to see your kingdom here in Murfreesboro, um, Lord, this isn't, you know, this isn't about building a quote-unquote church. This is about building the kingdom of God in your church. And so we ask specifically this morning that we wouldn't be, that we would heed this warning that you gave to, to, to the Israelites and that we wouldn't be a people who just kind of go about, about our way, do a little fast, a little prayer here, but we don't care for those, Lord, who are broken and the brokenness um, in our city, God. And and so, Lord, we ask very practically right now that you would begin to open our eyes, that you would begin to give us connections um, and help us to do, to walk out what you call us to do. Um, we want to pe- be a people that sees healing in our city. Uh, we want to see, see holistic healing. People who don't have jobs and are struggling to make ends meet. Lord, to to start new businesses and bless others and hire employees so that they can bless others, to have businesses that are ran with kingdom mindsets that care for others, that love others, that serve others, that put the customer before, uh, before themselves. Uh, Lord, I just, there's so much, there's so much, Lord, and we know that you can bring this, and we just want to be a people that say, here we are, God, we want it to be used that way. So we ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name. So let's just take a couple minutes here and we'll listen. And then if anyone has anything, we can share that.